Voices of Freedom with your hosts, Matt Wright and Mohammed Shaker. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Mohammed, I look like a terrorist shaker. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. I'm actually super excited about today's show. One, we're doing it on a Tuesday, which is a first. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I've never done a Tuesday show before. But also, uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, political analysts is what I'm going to call sure, him. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. Is <laughs> on the show with us today. Uh, we would like to officially and very excitedly welcome uh, Andrew Heaton from Mostly Weekly. Well, thank you. I, I'm also really pleased to be upgraded to a political <laughs> analyst. I, I think you're the first person to ever call me that. I, I view it more like I dig holes and then I fill them with jokes. Right. Uh, but, uh, but glad to hear I'm an analyst. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I <laughs> I uh, definitely uh, have been I've been a huge fan of Mostly Weekly ever since it first since I first saw the first video. I don't even remember when that was. Uh, well, we've been we've been doing it about a year and a half, but we we migrated platforms a couple of times. We so we started on Reason in April, but had been had been doing it um, at, at Pit TV and Bold TV prior to that for about a year. And before mostly weekly, you did uh, you. I don't. I think this was before mostly weekly because I went through your entire YouTube channel. Oh wow! You did it's it. like an hour's worth of heating, if not more. <laughs> you did a uh, series of videos where you were a politician getting ready to run, and you were running against somebody yeah. who wasn't actually running. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, that. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm so thrilled that you watched those videos. I made about uh, ten of those uh, a couple of years ago. They were before mostly weekly, and they're just straight up sketch comedy. Some of them have some politics, but most of them really aren't that political. The the character that you're referencing uh, was one of my all time favorites. His name is Buck Schwartzmore. Yes, he is a yes. sociopathic politician whose singular goal in life is to win elections. He doesn't care about anything else. So the sketch you're talking about, he's running unopposed, but he just enjoys running so much that he picks a random constituent and builds a campaign based on how terrible they are. Right. And the, the public feels bad for this guy. And, and the more <laughs> the more Buck comes on and he's like, you know, I've got skeletons in my closet. Who hasn't done blow with Barney Frank in a cannon house? Bathroom? But Jeremy Thurton, though, and we'll go off and, and so he ends up losing the election and and, and then. He, uh, the, the, the second one to that, the sequel to that, he's now in the private sector and he's desperately running for fire marshal. Uh, and while I am not a sociopath, I base this off of a real life thing. I used to work uh, at, at Fox Business on a show called Kennedy. And down the oh, hall cool, from yeah. me was uh, John Stossel, the, the luminary uh, libertarian and investigative reporter. But he was the floor's fire marshal. And I thought it was really funny to try and run against him for fire marshal. <laughs> so I, I organized like a floor wide campaign. And John. John did like it's it's a volunteer position. John didn't care. He was like, "You can have it. I don't. Why does he want to run?" And, uh, and I like I like I had posters on the wall that were like, "Only Drew can stop office fires," and Andrew Heaton for a less on fire America, and this ridiculous stuff. And eventually, management told me to stop and focus on my job, so I made that that uh, sketch comedy video as an outlet. And then later, incidentally, like a year later, uh, John was out sick for like two weeks or so. And the uh, like the, the building security guy came and found me and went, uh, hi, are you Andrew Heaton? And I went, yeah. And he goes, 
I'm told you really, really, really want to be the fire marshal. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I guess. So I became deputy fire marshal for time at Fox Business. It was good, good time. Oh, yeah, I was like, I watched all of those videos in the, and uh, and the, with the car- the carpet salesman guy. God, that guy was funny. He was like, "I'm not running." <laughs> oh yeah, Jerry, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Philippe, Philippe's a really funny guy. I met him uh, in, I think, my first uh, uh, improv class at Upright Citizens Brigade. But he, he's a very smart, very funny guy. You were in Upright Citizens Brigade. Well, I'm, I'm educated by Upright Citizens Brigade. So for, for your listeners that aren't familiar with it, UCB is kind of the flagship uh, improv group uh, in New York, although there are a lot of very good improv groups in New York. Uh, so there, there is, there's two components. There's a school and there's a performance uh, okay. component. Uh, I have not been on the performance side. I've only been educated through them. So, gotcha. Uh, Amy, Amy Poehler I, I, came up through them, correct? Which, I mean, she didn't come up through them. She started it. Oh, a, did a long- she? Along with Matt Besser and uh, two other, two or three other people. So, but that—that's definitely her outfit. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I—I I, I knew that she was a member of Upright Citizen Brigade. I didn't know she was the one that started it. And I remember yeah. when they had a show on Comedy Central, I believe that they did. Yeah, the Upright Citizen Brigade, which is kind of weird but really funny sketch comedy. Right. Uh, from about. I, that's what I remember. Ago. Yeah. Um. No, that's that's awesome. But um. Yeah, we uh. Yeah, we're both huge fans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've now met two out of three. This is great. <laughs> I just need to track down Brittany, and I'm, I'm, we can we can all go on a cruise together or something. <laughs> um, but uh, your last two videos are the two that I mainly wanted to talk about with you, uh, starting off with the defense spending one. Okay, on Mostly Weekly, yeah. Yeah, on, yeah, on Mostly Weekly. Um, the defense spending one was... It's so good. Okay, so I grew up in a neocon household. So my, my dad's like, bomb them all. We, we, we were Presbyterian, but that sounds fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, dad, my dad's a, we need to police the world. We need to bomb them all. And I'm like, yeah. And I like watched your video and I was like, dad. Na- na- nation building by bombing it? Yeah, yes, that's, exactly. Uh, that's... Yep, exactly. Although they're, they've kind of been in retreat the last few years, haven't they? Are they? I mean, I'm not saying that we've retreated from from military escalation, but the sort of um, you know bold George W. Bush style, uh, you know, America should get in their boots on the ground, and we'll you know, like sort of like the, the John Boltons of the world have been a little bit quieter since Trump came in. Thank God. Yeah, I was going to yes, say. Yeah. No, thank God. And, like, and I, 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 I know John Bolton, and I, he's a very nice guy. I've told, I've told him to his face that he's invited to every birthday party I have in perpetuity. But I, I think there should be a law prohibiting him from having federal office because he's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weren't you the one that met him and said, "Why do you keep bombing people?" Yeah, no, we were at a, a CPAC in DC, and uh, my buddy and I, you know, we we're walking. I think from. I think Trump was talking. It was 2015, something like that. And then here comes, you know, Bolton, and we're like, hey, Mr. Bolton. And he turns around and he's like, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, mustache and everything. And, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, why do you want to bomb the world? And then he just got, like, all red-faced and, like... Really? Wait, really? Because I've, yes, I've seen yeah. him fight, like, entire rooms of people before. I, I, I Because he, he used to come on, on Kennedy and The Independence, the two shows I worked on. And The Independence was a, a, a show with three hosts that were libertarians, so they would fight and push back 
on on, um, on military adventuring. And he would just calmly combat these three people, and he would never break a sweat. And I, one time in the green room, I went, uh, can I ask you a question? I don't mean this offensively. Do you have adrenaline? Like, do you? I, I've never seen him worked up before, so I'm amazed that you could do that. I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed <laughs> that you could get him to do that. <laughs> It's probably, I think it's, it's probably because you called him Mr. Bolton. I think that's probably <laughs> is that everybody's called him Ambassador Bolton for 25 years now, and you're the first person other than a telemarketer to call him Mr. Bolton. He probably yeah. got really excited. He's like, oh, these people actually – oh, no, they still they still hate me. Yep. And, and you know, I, I kind of look like those people. Oh, that's a valid point. You do. Oh. <laughs> you do look like those people. Yeah, you probably didn't know what was about to happen. <laughs> I don't want to bomb your people. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to bomb the other ones, not yours. <laughs> yeah, probably did get real pretty. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, in, in your video, you were stating that right now we spend $600 billion, which the way you got to that was so funny. How much are we spending on military spending each year? $1 million. No, $20 million. Yeah, we're, we're, I basically have a conversation with the, the text editor on the, uh, in, in the yeah, video. Yeah. Uh, to to uh, indicate that, and then can I can I back up a little bit for your um, for your viewers that uh, if they've not seen me before they should because it'll be life changing. It will be uh, life changing. But, uh, but but mostly weekly is a political satire series that that I, I do at Reason. So so picture sort of a Craigslist version of John Oliver, uh, but it's coming from um, it's coming from a more free market perspective than he is. So I, I, we definitely have a different spin on it than most of the other political satire that's on the market right now. Uh, and yeah, in that video we did defense spending, which. Um, I think is just needlessly gigantic. We, we've got a, uh, a defense budget that's larger than the next eight countries in the world combined, five of which are, are security partners or frenemies or, or uh, like our friends with benefits. I don't remember all of the legal terms, but we're only, only two of them are like really powers that we're worried about. And, and of them, Russia, the biggest one is like, I think it's a tenth of our military budget, something like that. Something I mean, like we could yeah. we could basically fight the planet with as much money as we're throwing into this, and we're we're probably going to do it one at a time. So we don't need that much. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's huge. And, you know, one of the interesting things too about that video was um, I got I got a lot of feedback from veterans uh, and a few people. I think it was just veterans. I don't think anybody that's actively in the military contacted me, but I I wouldn't recommend that they do that because I'm not really sure what the rules are. But a lot of veterans reached out and they were like, "This is absolutely true. We spend a needless amount of money." And they didn't even really get into, like, you know, what countries we're in in terms of military deployment. They just said, like, you know, I've saw one of my friends who, who um, uh, I've known mentioned that he bought, like, in, in the last three years, bought, like, a, a $400 keyboard or something like that. Like, there, there really is these incredible inflated spending that happens all the time um, because it's, you know, it's, it's a really lucrative treadmill of cash for uh, defense contractors. Right. Yeah, uh, six hundred billion ballooning to seven hundred billion this year is yes. what I believe yeah. you said. Yeah, that's something like that. They've yeah, they um, I I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but uh, they've they've all all but made that happen. They, we seem to be oriented that direction where we're we're going to be increasing the the size and scape of the military. Which which again, like for the the price that we're we're spending, we could build a Death Star. We could the, the the amount of things we could do uh, aside from just giving that you know half the money back to everybody. I mean, I do think we should have a military. By the way, like I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not an anarchist. I right. think we should have should have a couple of tanks. Uh, but uh, uh, but you know we could we could still have enough to you know level all of South America and and, and get rid of a quarter of our budget. 
the uh, the the most interesting part of that video that I found because the argument that I always make is we don't need to have all the bases that we have. And you uh, in that video you said in a recent survey done of military personnel we could close one quarter of the bases. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know which quarter they were talking about. I've got my own quarter of bases in mind, but um, I'd like I, I told that to my to my dad, and he was like, "No, we're the world's police. We need to have all of our bases." And I'm like, "Oh, and, we, and we've been doing such a wonderful job. Like we're we're really good at uh, uh, picking, you know, like we're we're good at picking Middle Middle Eastern uh, despots and arming them, and uh, they just they stay our friends forever. It's why." Why Iraq is forever our friend and Iran is forever our friend. They love us for that time we installed a monarch. Yeah. We, the democratic police of the world, installed a non-democratically elected monarch in their kind. And oh, weirdly enough, they they're uh, they're they're somewhat um, uh, dubious in terms of our intentions. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think like with 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 the military bases, um, that's that's one of. The, I, I think we can we can kind of divide the issue into two things. We can divide it into. Um, what military action are we wanting to undergo? And then aside from that, what is just uh, a a dumpster full of money that we're sending to defense contractors? Because those are separate things. I think like even, even the more hawkish people that I've met that have been in the military tend to acknowledge that military spending has a ton of waste in it and that we should get rid of that. Uh, and where, where you can see that, um, like say with the bases, for example, there was a... Um, what do you call it, a, a peace surplus or a peace dividend that happened right after the end of the Cold War. So that it sort of began under George H.W. Bush, and then Bill Clinton really reaped the rewards for it, where we had all these bases. And what Congress did was they got together, and rather than shutting them down one by one, they formed a commission and uh, kind of got everybody to agree, look, we're going to defer to this commission to shut down whatever bases it thinks we don't need. Mm -hmm. uh, and every congressman that you know had a base in his district voted against it, but Congress as a whole voted to shut these down. And um, we're fine. Uh, but the, the, no congressman's ever going to vote against a base in their district. I mean, it could, it could be a, a literal cavalry district in the middle of Iowa designed to stop Comanches in 2017 <laughs> or 2018 now. And that guy's going to fight tooth and nail for it because that represents jobs. Um, and I don't think that congressman's evil. He's parochial. Yeah. He's not thinking about the good of the country. He's thinking about the good of his district. And I, right. I get that. But we as a country need to be better about how we're going to allocate those resources because so much of that isn't serving any type of military purpose. It's just um, it's just giving that money out. But then the flip side of that is that when you have a giant standing army and you have a ton of tanks and you have a ton of fighters, you tend to be more inclined to use them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the you know, the amount of conflicts that we've gotten into that we don't really need to have uh, a role in uh, is, is truly outstanding. And we've spent uh, just a, a huge amount of money and a lot of blood and a lot of chaos um, pursuing some, some needless foreign policy. Yeah, I can. Like, like World War II, good call. I'm glad we got 100%, in on that. 100%. World War One, even. I'm I'm anti-World War One. I'm for World War Two, uh, but but World War One I, I wouldn't have got into. World War Two though. But then like after that, I'm kind of skeptical of most of the wars we've been in. Uh, I'm I'm definitely skeptical of the ones we've been in in my lifetime. Right. And I don't I don't know how old you are. Don't care. Uh, Thirty-four today. You were talking to me on my birthday. Well, happy birthday. Happy this birthday. Is, thank you. This is the best present you could have had. This is, yeah, I woke up and went, I want to talk to two guys about my videos, so it works. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm a little, uh, I'm not saying that out loud. We've been alive for the same wars. <laughs> um, 
But uh, so we've been alive for the same wars. And I remember the first desert storm. And I was all like, yeah, let's go in there and just turn it into glass. Because I was. Wait, hold on. Can I back up? Because I, I know we're on audio, but I can see both of you. And you, you look significantly younger than I do. Like, I, I look all haggard. <laughs> I look kind of like like an Englishman who woke up in a dumpster. Right. Uh, yeah. So, like, like, it's not surprising that I'm 34, but, like, like how old are you? <laughs> Older than that. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Are, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I, you're, we, we, we were bonding prior to this interview. <laughs> There's stuff I want to talk to you about, and, and how you've managed to stay so uh, chipper-looking is one of those things. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have an answer for that. Uh, it's if you uh, start a really good drug habit at 18 and turn it into a really good alcoholism, it just oh, preserves wow. everything. Whereas I, I was doing Dungeons and Dragons, and that must have just yeah, sucked you, the life you, out of me. You were hanging out in basements. It's yeah, yeah. It's but um, yeah. So I do remember. I do remember like the first uh, Gulf War, Desert yeah. Storm, and Desert Shield. And I remember, you know, I was like, "Yeah, let's just go turn it into a glass parking lot," because I was twelve, and that's what my dad. Sure. My dad. Yeah, and, I, and like, and I was when, when the when the Iraqi War happened, I was in favor of it. Uh, that, I was in high school and then in early college, and at the time, I, I was very much in favor of it, yeah. and uh, you know, have, have quite reversed that that decision or um, opinion. One one of the most humbling texts I've ever sent anybody was to a buddy of mine from high school, and I, he and I would argue over the Iraq War when it was first starting. And like ten years later, I texted him. I was like, "I hate saying this, but you were right, and I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> and he just, hey, props to props to you, and props to me for coming around on that. Right. I think uh, I, I don't want to be wrong any longer than I have to be, and that was definitely something I was wrong on. Right, and I mean, I I, I will fully admit that I was wrong that I should not have been in support of the Iraq War back in two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, but that was just a humbling text, and I hated sending it. And I was just like, "Oh God!" But I, he was right, and <laughs> I have to let him know that because um, I hate admitting being wrong. I hate it. It's the worst thing possible. See, could, I, in, in my end, like, I don't think I believe anything more than about eighty percent. I have so like, you, occasionally you meet ideologues that you could like bend horseshoes around the stuff they believe. And in my case, like, the most I believe anything is like. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, like, for, for me to reverse course is a lot easier. It's like, like instead of like a giant ship, it's just like like getting a, a, a pontoon boat to pivot. Right. <laughs> See, I probably only believe things eighty percent, but I will stand there as though like it's it, that's the hill I'm going to die on <laughs> because I refuse to admit I'm wrong. Huh. Been that middle child, so you know. I had to stick. I had to stand that ground. Uh, see, I'm, I'm I'm the first child, so so my reasoning is like we need to we really need to quit fighting about this and get the chores done before mom and dad get home. <laughs> yep. uh, so let's let's just let's just agree to disagree and clean up that beer spill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> see, my my older sister was always like, "You spilled that beer." I'm telling mom and dad on you. It's like, you know, I'll just get grounded for ever. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm going to tell them. Like, okay, thanks. You're a great sister. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, then you came out last week. Last week? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it would have been just before, maybe it was two weeks ago, because it would have been just before, well, where are we? It would, it would have been right before New Year's Eve. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, like maybe the 30th. The Congress list, right? Yeah, the Congress yes. list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you came out with the um, New Year's resolutions for Congress. 
Mm-hmm. And that was one of the funniest videos I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you took every single resolution that people make, but you just focused it right on Congress. Like, uh, mm-hmm. The... I mean, absolutely. That was that was what I was trying to do. Was was you know, uh, and we uh, I had a, had a meeting with um, the other people that work in the project with me. I've got some very talented writers and, and producers, and uh, we we wanted to um, take a normal New Year's resolution, uh, which you know usually it's like lose weight, um, get a new hobby, get on online dating. There, there, there are several that we, we went through and we thought, okay, well, we should apply it. Like, I, I wanted to do one on Congress anyway. We should apply these to Congress rather than just have me finger-wagging at them. Right. Uh, yeah, the best one I thought was uh, when you said join a gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Jeffords. Jim Jeffords. Yep. Like Jim Jeffords. And I was just like, oh, my God. Uh uh, but yeah, he's uh, coming out with the what was the bill that he was coming out with? I'm blanking right now. Oh God, I don't remember. Uh, he he had either spending caps or I think it was a balance the budget bill. It was spending caps, I believe. Yeah, because okay. yeah. there's I mean there's there's several to their credit there's several different senators and congressmen that that alternately have have proposed similar legislation, but um, his was the best to make a pun with. Right. <laughs> And then when you called Rand Paul a libertarian poodle hybrid, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I was I was really curious to see how that one was going to go over because uh, I we you know we are on reason, which is the kind of the flagship libertarian uh, publication, and I I thought I'm not really sure whether like Rand will be viewed as a statist and like they'll be cheering me or whether like people will grab pitchforks to come after me. It seems to have been reasonably positive, right? Mm-hmm. That- that was so funny. Like I, I, I was watching that and I was like, oh, because Muhammad is a complete Rand fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I Rand girl all the time. Yeah, he, he's a Randosexual, and he, uh, like, I was like, I was watching it the first time because I've seen that video like four times now, and I was watching it the first time. And I went, oh, Muhammad's not gonna like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were watching it later, and he just started laughing. He was just like. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and I think I think also with that, uh, it, it, there's I think there's a very big difference between making fun of somebody for a, a sort of ephemeral thing mm-hmm. versus making fun of them for being a terrible human being. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, like if I making fun of Rand for having funny hair, which I think is kind of self-evident, uh, is very different than like if I were to form a, a monologue about somebody being a bigot or, or being a moron or something to that effect, which mm-hmm. I think would be much more offensive to people that like Rand Paul. Right. No, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. People either like Rand Paul or they don't know what's going on in the world. <laughs> can, okay. Can I, can I ask you, cause I'm glad he's in the Senate and I like, I like Rand Paul, but he plummeted a lot in my estimation when he, when he backed Roy Moore. And that was before any of the allegations that Roy Moore had come out. But Roy Moore was still a hundred percent terrible before any of those allegations. He was just a terrible, terrible yeah. choice. And I, I still have no idea what Rand Paul was thinking if, if, cause Rand Paul hailing from the, the libertarian wing of the Republican party, that's diametrically opposed yep. to the angry populist right wingers. I mean, like there's there's just there's no shared ground there other than mm-hmm. sort of vague pretensions of, of limiting the budget. So I, I when he did that, my jaw dropped. Yeah. Um, Thomas Massey explained because Thomas Massey also from Rand's wing, uh, he also backed Ray, uh, Roy Moore. And when he was asked about it, he said, I would rather back somebody I agree with 60 percent who has a backbone as opposed to somebody I agree with 90% who has no spine. 
Really? Well, I mean, that's that's uh, I I enjoy the quote, although I I don't think I would be like, you know, you're you want to blow up Kansas. (laughs) Whereas friggin Jeffrey over here can't even, you know, like like bear to yell at someone at a football game, even though he's got a doctorate in urban study. Like I know I'm going to go with the the, I'll I'll go with the guy I agree with. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the way I kind of saw it. But. When Rand Paul and uh, Massey and I think a mash backed him also. Really? No, no I don't think. I, don't think Amash Amash I doubt it. Because because Amash is my favorite. I really hope Amash did, and I like Massey, and I've I've met him a number of times. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, ugh, ugh. yeah, more, more. I I like all like I like all. I I really liked Massey when he ate the hemp seeds on Fox Business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the yeah, on the Independence. There was a show I worked on. Okay. Yeah, uh, actually, I worked for a congressional candidate who was on your show. Uh, who was it? Lucas Overby. Overby. Okay, what? You'll have to remind me what what election was that? That was or the what? 2014 special. Was that the special that he was on it? I think so. Yeah, it was a special election here in Florida. No, uh, uh, that was in the general election because the special election happened in March, and then the general was in October. Oh, okay, okay. So he was on Kennedy in two thousand, or he was on the Independence in two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. um, sometime during the summer because I was back home at my parents' house. Um, but yeah, he was there in sometime. It, it was during that election. Yeah, yeah, and they, they did an undershot of him, and you saw like his chins, and it was <laughs> very bad, very bad camera angle on him. Oh. <laughs> My apologies on that. <laughs> eh, it's all right. Um, not that worried about it now. But yeah, when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, Lucas, that's you need to sit up straighter, man. You look like you're slouching." <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, he was on that show, and uh, I believe that didn't uh, Austin Peterson work for that show as well? No, Austin Peterson, uh, he worked for Judicial Watch, which was with Judge Napolitano, and that was uh, before I showed up. So I, I didn't overlap with him at all. I, I know Judge Napolitano pretty well, uh, but, I, but I've, I've, I don't think I've met Austin, or if I have, it was in passing. Gotcha. Yeah, because when I was talking to well, he, Austin came down here for a campaign stop on his 36th uh-huh. birthday, and I was talking with him, and I was like, oh, yeah, I love Massey. Ever since he ate the hemp seeds, he's like, I produced that segment, and I went, okay. Wait, what? That's... I'm going to have to fight him now. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I see him, I'm just going to clock him in the jaw. Be like, how dare you, sir? He, he definitely said that to me. I was like, oh, that's cool. Don't huh, care. You're, wait, you're telling me that a guy running for office exaggerated his resume? I, I, it's so weird. <laughs> so bizarre that somebody running for office would do something like that. Yeah, 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 never, I never, I, I never, 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 never thought that would happen. If I ever ran for office, I would downplay everything that I did, which would be really easy because I haven't done a whole lot. <laughs> I've got a podcast. I've got 55 episodes. I'm running. Let's go. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, if I were going to run, I think I missed my shot because I, I, I'm an independent. I'm not registered with any party. But about three years ago, there was an election I guess four years ago now, there was an election in Staten Island, which is not too far from where I live. Like, I could conceivably move down there. And the the candidates were the incumbent, a guy named Grimm, who uh, was a Republican that was under, like, eight indictments. And some <laughs> some uh, reporter, like, talked to him at Congress, and, like, did the standard interview in, in the, in the uh, rotunda. 
uh, and uh, and then was like, you know, what what are you uh, what are you going to do about these indictments? And he was like, I will fucking throw you off this rail. Like he like <laughs> kill a reporter. Uh, and then the guy running against him because he was, he had a lock. The Democrats yielded this like just like just union thug type guy that you know had a, had a, a neck about as thick as a bathtub. And uh, like he like they you, you can watch interviews. They ask him questions. and He gets this blank look and goes, excuse me, and walks into a building. And then he'll come back out like 30 seconds later and be like, yeah, 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 I'm against NAFTA. Because you'd have to go talk to whoever and like they, <laughs> the, the debate they began with like, so guys, what are you reading? And both of them avoided the question. Like did like they were like, Oh, I don't know, gotcha questions. And the moderator was like, I this is literally the like the softest <laughs> lowball question we could throw at you. But neither of them had read any books. So my my play if I'd run, I would have run on uh Hi, I'm Andrew Heaton. I won't threaten to kill journalists, and I'm literal. Uh, Let's like, see if I can scoop up some of those Staten Island things, but I missed the boat on that, so I'll, I'll just keep making fun of politics. Yeah, uh, years ago. Uh, you should be able to run in New Hampshire, though, right? A lot of uh, Libertarian Party independent type stuff up there because it's so easy to run. Maybe I, you know, I don't know. Uh, New Hampshire's got because I, I mean, for the record, I, I would love to be a state legislator someday. Like you yeah. know, when I've got kids and I've got a house and that kind of thing. Like I, I, I think that that'd be a lot of fun. I enjoy working in policy, mm-hmm. and I really like. I, I, I used to work in Congress, and I did constituent relations, and I enjoyed doing that. So it, it would be fun to do something on a state level. Um, New Hampshire, I think, got, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a huge amount of state reps. Like they've got something like, like six or seven hundred. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. And, wow. And they actually don't get, they don't get paid that well either. No, well, oh, yeah. six so, or seven. Well, which, I mean, like I mean, if, if 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 your state rep is just you know like basically you roll the dice in your neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> but but my point is that like I could conceivably just go there and hang out at a Walmart for a weekend and maybe get get elected if it's or go up there if it's <laughs> if it's that small. I don't know what their demographics are like. I've never been to New Hampshire before. Uh, I don't know how they like carpetbaggers. I'm really charming, but I, they may not like that. Uh, and I'd also be curious too, because I'm I'm an independent who who leans uh, leans libertarian, but I'm not like a hardcore uh, you know like a hardcore capital L libertarian by any stretch. So I, I wonder if the if the you know the free state project people that are up there would view me as sort of a willowy Vichy regime, or if they view me as a as a you know fellow traveler. I don't know. Yeah, um, we're not hardcore L either. Yeah, we're not hardcore L either. We're 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 definitely lowercase L. Um, I, uh, I actually, Scott Brown, yeah, Scott Brown ran for Senate in New Hampshire and he ended up losing. So I'm not sure how they do feel about carpetbaggers. Cause everybody's like, Oh, he just left Massachusetts to go to New Hampshire to win. I think Scott Brown should keep that up. He should go to a new state every, every six, four to six years <laughs> uh, until one clicks for him. I think right. that's a good idea. Right. Until he gets a second state to click. Yeah. That, uh. That, that would probably work for him. <laughs> I, I'm actually friends with his daughter. I feel bad about that joke. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully, he's, I mean, he's probably heard worse. Yeah, like, I, my guess is he can handle that one. Probably. Um, I don't think she watches my show anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I wanted to run for a really long time, and then I became a libertarian, and I was like, well, I'm never going to win. Uh, yeah. And then it- I... I also left the Libertarian Party, and now I'm non-party affiliate. So yeah, well, I, yeah, it would. I, I I was really active in politics when I was in high school and college, and I thought I was going to go that direction. And, and in a very rare personal epiphany that involved humility and a couple other things, when I was maybe like I don't know, 22, 
when, oh, I have no business making decisions over other people's lives. I don't like, I can't even keep my plants alive, let alone, you know, like a family or a house or anything. Uh, and so I, I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go into something else. And I, I, I did wind up working for Congress, but I, I wasn't running for elected office or anything. Uh, and then it become uh, not so much. It's not so much that I'm becoming increasingly skeptical of, of uh, government officials so much as I uh, uh, am making fun of everyone. Uh, and as a result, I sort of painted myself into a corner. So I, I'd have to I'd have to um, o- overlook a lot of stuff. But in the current political climate, I don't know, with, you know, President Trump and President Oprah, right. uh, they, they, maybe having a media footprint would, would help me. I don't know. Right. We'll I see. Mean, yeah, if Oprah runs for president against Trump, I think I'm giving up. Like, yeah, I, I, so, so I, I want you guys to come in on a theory that I've been working on for about uh, I guess a, a little over a year now, which is that we are living in a parody universe, the real universe. Like I wake up every day and go, I wonder what what President Huntsman's up to in the real universe. Like, like <laughs> what, what he's been up to the last you know eight years. Uh, but uh, uh, we, yeah, so we're we're living in one where where Donald Trump is the president. Like, so I yeah, I can totally see Oprah running because we're living in like we're in the wacky alternate universe that's not the real one. And then, yeah. Today, Roseanne Barr, Roseanne Barr came out and said, I'd make a better president than Oprah. And I'm like, oh, geez. Hadn't she, hadn't she run a couple times? Like, didn't she run as yeah. an independent or something? She, yeah, like, she, I think she may have run Green Party, which apparently, yeah. according to you, has six members. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that was, oh, that's, that's who our Green Party 422 is on AOL chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see. Well, no, we could we could do like a full uh, celebrity spread. We could get Mark Cuban to run as an independent. We could oh, get yeah. Oprah to run as a Democrat, and we could get um, Penn Jillette to run as the Libertarian candidate, and then have Roseanne Barr as the Green candidate. And uh, we would our, our we would late stage democracy would be one big reality television show. <laughs> Actually, that's probably where it's heading anyway. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a fun way to go out. It would I mean, be. If we were going to pick a way to disintegrate, that seems like the most entertaining. And if we could get a cage match in there somewhere, I mean, Trump's got the advantage because experience. Experience. Yeah. He's done it before. Yeah. Yeah. But and he's got shifty raccoon arms. So he'd be able to <laughs> navigate the, the wrestling. Uh, but yeah, like the whole, what's funny is years ago, I don't, I don't remember when this was, but Roseanne hosted Saturday Night Live and she was like, berating the audience and she goes don't let hollywood pick your politicians or be your politicians and it's like oh the terminator likes this guy so i guess he's strong on defense and now she we have hollywood actually running for for these political offices (laughs) and she is not well, I'll like I'll like I'll run a serious it's gonna sound like i'm joking but it's not it's a serious theory that i'm I'm gonna put by you um I think the British stumbled on, inadvertently, stumbled onto a really good system that I, I think we should figure out a way to emulate. And what they've done is they've separated their head of state from their head of government. Like, if I lived in the UK for a few years. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes the prime minister. No one ever likes the prime minister. Like, when I was there, uh, like, the first time I lived in Scotland, Gordon Brown was prime minister, who's from Scotland. 
And all the Scots that were part of his party were very similar to it. Were like ah, like, like you know, ugh, Scottish noises or whatever. <laughs> I got, I'm not, I'm not in the right mood. I was gonna say, I don't, I don't know what the the boundaries are of saying words here, so I wasn't gonna. You, I was gonna you, do some Scottish swear words. You, you, you can say whatever you want on this show. We've, oh, we, yeah? we blew yeah. that out of the water. Oh, yeah. episode That's one. A, yeah, one or two. All right, good. Well, <laughs> if, if, if I come back on, I'll have a list of Scottish swear words that I'll that I'll go through. But they, but they're happy to make fun of that. But they generally are fairly respectful of the Queen. It's this bizarre phenomenon, and I, I think that's very healthy because I like in the same way that I think it's bad to combine church and state. I think combining power and reverence is also very dangerous mm-hmm. where yeah. you're like, you know, oh, the president's the father of the nation. He's the embodiment of the No, 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 no. He's the head bureaucrat. That's all he is or she. Exactly. Don't like you like it is great to kick him around. It would be great if we had to drag the president down to Congress and do a prime minister's questions once a week. I would love that. It would bring him back to reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it'd be true. Like, have Oprah be our queen. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I think she'd make a terrific queen. I wouldn't give her any power because I don't like having unelected officials with power, and I don't really like power to begin with. But uh, but make her a queen, and then like everybody that's wigging out because the head of America is saying crazy stuff. Well, they, the head of America is now you know a, a wonderful, warm, cathartic celebrity figure. Giving uh, away cars she, to the audience. Yeah, <laughs> I think she'd be terrific at that. I'd be perfectly happy for her to be our head of state. Okay. I'm actually not. I'm not opposed to that. I also like what the British do, where they're just like, "We're tired of you. We're going to do an election," and then they they do one, just yeah. like right there. And then if they're like three days later, no, nah, we're going to do another one. Screw you. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. just constant elections. I kind of actually like that. I'm not. Yeah, opposed, they, I'm not they've got that. that. I think was it Cato? Somebody's done some interesting research on that. Where like they, I mean, they, I think they do have. I mean, they have more governmental turnover or something to that effect. But they, there, there was a paper I read that was basically espousing that we would do well to emulate the parliamentary model, where where the government could be brought down by a uh, by a um, you know which vote of no confidence. Right. Um, no idea how that would operate now, where we can you know barely get a, a budget through anything like that. But then again, you know, Belgium didn't have a government for like a year and a half or whatever that was. Two or three. I don't know if you guys followed this, but like three years ago, yeah. Belgium just couldn't get its Spain? act together. Spain or I, Belgium? I thought Spain. I, I knew Spain didn't get. Yeah. It, didn't have a government for a while. I didn't yeah. know about Did Belgium. Spain, uh, yeah, Spain definitely had uh, something going on with their elections, where they just could not elect ahead of the government. Mm-hmm. And a lot of seats just went unfilled, and the and the country was fine. Yeah, everybody was like, "Yeah, it's actually kind of better." Yeah, it's like, right? <laughs> Thank you, Spain. <laughs> Thank you for leading the way. Well, that's and that's like another kind of um, libertarian thing to ponder because, like a year ago, I viewed gridlock as a very positive force because uh-huh. I, I viewed it as a feature and not a bug. Now I'm I'm not so sure because I do think there's just there's big enough things we need to fix like the national debt, like spending and that kind of thing that the gridlock unfortunately can't do. I mean, you'd have to e- – economic progress would have to so outpace the current debt that uh, – I mean, it would just be a mind-boggling amount of growth. So oh, yeah. we, we do and, – and I'll say too, like my, my kind of – my fundamental political precept is that good and intelligent people can disagree on matters of substance. Um, as alluded to in the, the Congressional New Year's uh, video uh, and, and uh, Congress wanting to – you know, everybody kill each other is not really helping that. Uh, it, it is a lonely position right now to try and see the humanity in people you disagree with. They don't. That's not real popular at the moment, uh, and I, I, I don't think uh, uh, the the you know uh, gridlocked Senate and, and Congress are, are having good spillover effect on the national psyche. I mean, I agree, but you, you're also going to open up a whole can of worms with. See, I, I, I view gridlock as a good thing personally, um, mm-hmm. because. 
the the can of worms would be, then everybody's going to pass whatever anybody wants, and then there, now there's no time to debate what is good or bad, not even from a libertarian perspective, just, you know, right-wingers will pass right-wing things, and left-wingers will pass left-wing things, and nobody really be happy when it if it comes to that you got sure. you, you got to work on getting rid of gridlock solely for the case of you know working on the economy for example like if there's a way to do that then yes i definitely 100% agree with you right sure yeah, yeah and I, I mean for the regular i don't i don't think it's a thing where uh, it's odd when people talk about how little how little con- how many bills Congress has passed as if that's the metric by which we judge the efficacy of Congress. Um, like for for one thing, like a lot of those bills are just naming post offices after dead bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like it's not like a lot of those bills have any fun. But even if they did, like if it's a terrible bill, I, I don't know that that should really be a like a good uh, uh, scorecard for Congress um, to come around on. Oh yeah, no, no, I no, hundred percent. Because I've seen people try to pull the same thing. I don't know if you like Ron Paul or not. Uh, I do like Ron Paul. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a Ron Paul fan. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you know I've seen some of my Facebook friends uh, that are you know different stripes of conservative and libertarian uh, say, well, I don't know why people think Ron Paul is so awesome when he didn't pass any bills, and I'm just like, you really think Ron Paul's going to pass anything in Congress? Like right. the one like super libertarian amongst everybody, that's not really a good measure, you know. And and then like you know what 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 is the bill anyways? What are these bills that they're passing? Like like you were saying. Yeah, I well, and I like I I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I I think that's kind of a tough question too because if you were to if you were to talk to Hill Stafford, they can answer this question very well. But I think if you were to ask the average politically informed American. Um, you know, pick like throw out a senator and be like, "What's their what legislation have they accomplished?" I don't think I could name a single bill by any senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I'm a moron, or you know, I, I probably drink too much, so I don't remember it that well. But uh, but but in, in terms of actual, um, in, in terms of just actually being like, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, SJ four eight nine two, I thought he did a, a fine work on that." Um, you know, that's uh, no one remembers that. <laughs> well, it, speaking of like uh, your videos and all that, um, so. A Democrat, I don't remember his name, a senator, wants to force the um, man. Oh, man. I have no idea where you're going with this. Yeah, you got to help me. He he wants to force the FCC to overturn what uh, Ajit Pai overturned. They want to bring back net neutrality. They they, want to make... um, uh, uh, net neutrality and actual congressional legislation instead of weaseling through the courts to regulate the internet through an 1887 railroad monopoly law? Yeah. So from what I've read, right, I mean, it's it doesn't sound like what you just said. It sounds like, and to me it made no sense how the Senate would tell an executive uh uh, an executive office what to do because why would a bill i mean a bill can start in the senate but how how can a bill starting in the senate go immediately to to the fcc and like when it comes to my friends yeah uh, you, you, i'm sorry please, please go ahead no, i was just gonna say like when it, i have you know i'm sure we all have a lot of friends that think the world is still going to end because net neutrality is over. Yeah, we've, we've gone all the way back to 2015. You remember how terrible <laughs> the internet was? It was awful. 2015, my God, the previous 30 years were just horrid in terms of expanding internet yeah, access. Yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how we're all still alive now that it's yeah. been a month. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, if we're going to talk about net neutrality, 
I'm like, okay, let's debate it and have your congressman or senator, you know, push for it and have it debated on the floor. And let's vote it on. Let's vote on it that way instead of like having the executive branch do it. And that's the problem with the executive branch is they're unelected well, bureaucrats. Also, like, and this is something that does kind of amaze. Like, I don't know which senator. I think I read a headline about that. Although I'm not real informed on on mm-hmm. the bill that they proposed, but like, I will give them props for for actually trying to do a, an American law through America's designated body for making <laughs> laws. Like that. That is. Like they're constitutionally, Congress can do that. And while I would disagree with that law, I like at least it's going through the proper channels. So like, I my hat is off to them in all, all sincerity. Um, yeah, with with net neutrality, um, I think that one has uh, the most marvelous uh, campaign in favor of net neutrality happened. Where two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, that was an extremely small group of people um, participating in that debate. And um, and it's it's become a giant debate. And the actual the I mean, that's kind of like when, when I when I talk to people that are red in the face about it, that's my question to them is, why do you think the you know 1857 railroad monopoly law is the best way to uh, to, to push the concept of net neutrality, which Ajit Pai and everybody else is in favor of? And then they kind of like go, well, I just don't think corporations should run it. Okay, well, I, I mean, I guess I don't think that like three should run it. I'd be okay with anti-monopoly legislation, but yes. like, do you you want the FCC to run? Like, you know that the, a Republican's going to control that, like literally every eight years or so. Like, there, there's this kind of bizarre. I, I have been divested of my Whiggish pretensions in history, and, and for any of your listeners unfamiliar with this, Whiggish history is where you, you sort of have this idea that history has an actual arc, like we're on a, a railroad line, hmm. and we're going from, in America, we tend to think of like, well, we go from the Gilded Age to modern, then we're going to get to Northern European, and then Star Trek, and that's just the, that's it. And then whenever <laughs> whenever the Republicans deviate, they're like, what, what I know the plan was to, well, how could you do this? I was like, well, they're going to do this every eight years, forever. Yes. So yeah, you need for, to you need to design always. a system that incorporates that into it. You need to real. You, we need to have a system that involves the person you hate running the system every eight years. And, I, and yeah, having the FCC be a political football that nobody votes on outside of the six people on the board is is not a good way to handle that. No. Yeah, and I am an I'm an anarcho capitalist, and the answer to that would be from somebody like myself anyways, would be decentralization, secession and localization. So mm-hmm. instead of having the overarching federal government telling everybody else what to do, let the states handle their states, the counties handle the counties, the cities handle the cities, rather than everybody always having to worry about what the why is the federal government always a Democrat pushing their view on the Republicans or the Republicans pushing their views on the Republicans. Yeah. Or even the Libertarians pushing their views on the status that really want a really strong government for some reason. You know, if somebody really wants it, you know, push. It's best to, in my opinion, anyways, to push that down on a local level and let them handle it. That's you know. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Uh, yeah, I mean that's fair enough. I, I think where I would um, where I deviate is I, I would be okay. Like I, I'm not bothered by anti-monopoly legislation, and I and I do think that with with the internet, if, if you wanted to help the internet get faster and and get expanded in terms of access, uh, I think competition would be the best way to achieve that. And and I, I don't know a lot about um, internet service providers in terms of their business models, but it doesn't seem to me that competition is is really that high right now. 
there isn't a sense that you can access internet content from your phone mm-hmm. and you can internet access from your computer. So it's not like you've got one thing and one thing only. But for the for a lot of people, like I, I live here in New York, I've got I think two options for internet uh-huh. um, it, it, where I live, and so it's working well for me so far. But and I know other people that don't. So if if they could figure out how to how to break that up a little bit, I'm I'm not I'm not terribly bothered by you know, more than six internet companies operating. Oh, God, no. But again, that's, but that's different than what, what we're talking about with net neutrality. Yes. Um, and it, and it's also different. Like it's basically just applying existing law in terms of, of monopoly legislation, as opposed to um, trying to figure out a way to, to put the internet under control of planners, which um, so far it's done really well, not being under control of planners. It's done pretty good with emergent order and it's created terrible things. Uh, like every message board I've ever been on, uh, but uh, but it's it's also produced wonderful things like uh, a video of Chris Bliss juggling uh, and uh, the Yolo Low Russian guy. There's been some good moments too. Right. Um, yeah, I but that's that's one of those things. I, I don't know. I I think I've got to go here in a second because I'm I'm performing here in a bit. But yes, I I think I think that the I think as a comedian, you know, we we, we go into it knowing that, uh, and this is just I, I think everybody knows this that. Uh, death and sex are are two elements that kind of everybody gets at a visceral level. So if you make a joke that pertains to death or sex, the audience, even monks, if they're attending, will have some sort of skin in the game and they'll know what's going on, as opposed to if you were talking about, you know, Buicks or something. Mm. The the one that has surprised me and continues to surprise me is that right up there with death and sex is tribe. Uh, and in my experience, I have yet to really get in trouble on stage making fun of anybody um, for, I don't know, wanting to have sex or not having enough sex or um, they're going to die. People do get mad at me if I question their tribal identity. If I, I'm like, wait, what? so where's your football team from? And everybody on the team is from your town? They're not? But, it, but the owner lives in your town? Oh, he doesn't? So you're, <laughs> what are you, who are you rooting for? They get pissed. They get fucking angry when mm. you do that. And I, I think most of the political discourse in our country really revolves around, yay, my team, fuck your team. Yes. And, and we, get these, we get these totemic battles. Like, again, net neutrality, no one knew anything about that three, four years ago outside of a handful of people. But it's, it's become this, this symbol of the great Manichaean battle of good and evil. And it's just, you know, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't, I've got my opinions on it. I don't want to participate in that just dumbass battle between partisans. I, I don't I don't give a shit about your team. I'm not on your team. I'm not on anybody's team. I just want to make everything work and, and go to everybody's cocktail parties and, and, and hit on everybody. I want to seduce everybody. Um, so that actually that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. That, you know what that'll that'll I'll add that to my congressional campaign. I, I read books <laughs> I won't threaten to throw a journalist off the, the rail, and I like to go to cocktail parties, parties and seduce people and of all political persuasions. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I will represent and seduce all my constituents. All, all, all the constituents, every single one. Well, uh, we, well so, uh, guys, I do have to take off. Can I plug my website and a couple other things before no, I no, go ahead? Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say this well, is. Yeah, no, please plug away. Plug me away. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, thank you for coming on. Uh, he wrote, Laughter is Better Than Communism. I actually just got my. Uh, copied a couple of days ago. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but he did. If you get it from his website, he will put an inscription in there for you. Yeah, I, I'll sign it for you. And uh, and you know, like if, if you want, I'll make some reference to 
the, the beautiful weekend we had in Maui or whatever, just let me know. And all God, if I had the... known that, I would have put something in there. <laughs> I have I have never felt such feelings before. I shall never be the same again. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you can get it on Amazon. I actually prefer if you get it off my website because I, I just make more money if you get it directly from me. But you can get it through either one. Um, that book that you're reading now is basically stuff that I think I should have been taught in college about economics and about public policy, but it's done in a very funny way. Uh, it's, it's so it's um, I, I, it's gotten very good reviews uh, and, it, and it's got some good bona fides on it from people like uh, Don Boudreau and uh, Gene Epstein and, and, a, and a few others that are pretty well known in libertarian circles. But it's sort of a, a very funny Henry Hazlitt type thing. Uh, and I, I'll add to that, if you want to see my work, you can go to my website, which is mightyheaton.com, uh, M-I-G-H-T-Y-H-E-A-T-O-N, uh, and you'll see the entirety of my videos. So you can see the, the uh, sketch comedy that we mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, and also all of Mostly Weekly, which is the political satire I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you so much. I know that you have a uh, gig that you're going to go do. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you Happy for coming birthday, on our bro. birthday. Thank you very much. Happy to do it. Yeah, yeah. no, this this has been great. Uh, I hope is... you can come on again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I had fun. This sounds great. I'll, we'll, we'll just make this an annual birthday tradition. <laughs> uh, or, or, or barring that, I'll come back on another couple of months. <laughs> cool. Great. Yeah, whenever you want, just uh, let me know. I'll, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, great. But, Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy birthday. Good luck tonight. Have fun. Break a leg. Whatever you say to... You've... Yeah, you, you know, you you always say happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to do that. All right, thanks so much, guys. Bye. Right, bye. Thank you. Bye. Awesome show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're still live. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you have anything else you want to throw in? No, I'm good, man. Cool. All right. Well, uh, so happy we had Andrew Heen on. I am. I was a little starstruck at first. It took me a minute. I was like, oh, my God, I'm talking with the yep. guy from Mostly Weekly right now. Yep. Um, he also, we, uh, he's got the really funny libertarian Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones. Yeah. There might uh, be another universe in there that he did. He, but. did, a, he did a Cosmos uh, ripoff. Uh, where he was talking oh, uh, about our inflated, our inflated... Neil Tyson? Yeah, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Where he did um, our, our... How much we owe... Uh, <laughs> where he did that and that one was I was watching that when I was out in San Diego uh, back in September and that was so funny yeah but anyway if uh, watch all of his stuff you can find it all on um, you can find it all on YouTube but you can also find it on MightyHeaton.com so check that stuff out um, David Carter says great show so you know what that means that means it was a great show and if awesome. David Carter says it was a great show, then uh, it's, there's nothing else we can do except for thank Low Tide Kava Bar for the kava <laughs> that we drink during this and every episode. Bula. Bula. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, again, you can follow Andrew Heaton at the Mighty Heaton or at MightyHeaton.com. Uh, pick up his book. Uh, I would say it's hilarious, but I don't know because I haven't started reading it, but I'm certain it is. Uh, watch his videos. You can follow us at facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom at on Instagram at muddied waters of freedom or on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. Um, we can also be found at muddied waters of freedom.com mm-hmm. if you care to go there. Which uh, you should. Which you should. You get to watch the single video by our new correspondent, Mason <laughs> Jefferson. Um, anyway. Thank you all so very much for listening. Please like, please share, please tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family, tell everybody to watch and listen and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
Got anything else? No. All right. Well. Yep. Remember. <laughs> I wanted to make it awkward. I'm sorry. You, you, you did it. Remember, guys, where we're going. We don't need roads. <laughs>